you were saying you're becoming a peach person. Mm, yeah, peach cobbler, peach pie, all that stuff. I don't eat that stuff very much, but mm. when I do, it is um, it is uh, very very good. I used to yeah. hate it. Oh man, it used to be like until you heard that presidents of the United States of America. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's when it all started. That was begin. the turning point. That was uh, I, you know. <laughs> like that song it's a guilt kind of a guilty pleasure i'll tell you what i love the second record by them i mean oh like love it it's that the um is that the one it's just called two yeah two now (laughs) see i i haven't heard that one but i really like the first one it's it's really good i mean if you're into like really um kind of goofy lame bullshit it's um amazing (laughs) yeah and that's well i mean that's what that's what they are i mean the name of their band is the presidents of the united states of america yeah it's a pretty long name it's so great it's (laughs) honestly like i rank it as one of the best band names ever and i'm being serious like i just to think of that it's pretty good just to think of that like it's it's one of those things that if 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 it were my accomplishment, I would be so proud of it. it yeah. I, I know I'm really ho- ho- holding that in high regard, but <laughs> what an absurd idea and delightfully yeah. absurd. No, that, that. Yeah, this is my mini review. Also, listen <laughs> to President's United States of America, too. If you like Cheap Trick and you like Weezer and I don't know, the rentals and whatever there's some some fun rock music stuff i don't know it's uh super fun anyway well and also (laughs) i think it has to be mentioned before we drop this part of the conversation um it has to be mentioned that the fact that they played with like what two strings three strings or whatever yeah, I feel like uh, the guitar had three and the bass had two or some crazy. Well, I think nonsense. both. I think they both had. I think one of them had. I think the singer had one guitar string and one bass string. Okay. <laughs> and I think the other sing. Well, I guess we'll call him the guitarist. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that he had like. <laughs> well, he either had one guitar string and two bass strings or two guitar strings and one bass string. I don't remember yeah. which one. So, but in any case, that's insane. Yeah, they did a lot <laughs> with them. I don't know exactly why. Yeah, you know, I don't either. I think they I could mean, have had all their strings and pretty much done the same thing. But uh, I mean, maybe, maybe they just hate strings and they're like, I fucking hate strings but i know i gotta use them so i'm just gonna use one because that's all i can deal with because strings are the worst thing on the yeah maybe that's Uh, what they are yeah i mean i mean i hate strings i do too i everything about them i mean i I, tight strings draw strings guitar strings hang uh, strings apron strings apron strings all, um, all the strings suck what about string, string? Theory, I hate it. What about bean strings? I hate string beans and bean <laughs> strings. <laughs> and bean strings. Well, I mean, you know. I do yeah. like the beat strings from Cedar Falls, though. They're a good band. Yeah, uh, yeah. The beat strings are great. Yeah, that's um, the only strings I like. Every time I hear that band name, the beat strings, it always makes me think of the beats from the Doug show on Nickelodeon. Oh, man, I love the beats. Oh, we killer tofu. tofu. Yeah. (laughs) Was not expecting to sing killer tofu on the podcast today. Um, You're on a podcast uh, with me, so get used to it. Banging on a streetlight. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That's banging on a streetlight, strumming (laughs) on a trash can. Oh, wait, is it beating on a well, isn't that like strumming on him? Oh, strumming on my banjo, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I heard think, it in a few years. Yeah, um, dude. I remember is... it being a really great song, though. Oh, dude. Everything I also remember Doug being way too old to watch Doug, but I did it. I don't even care. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I'll talk to people and they'll be like, Remember, salute your shorts? And I'll be like, Yeah. And then they'll be oh, like, God. Wait, you're 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> that I didn't was like. Care. 
that that was that was my um junior high adolescence in a nutshell (laughs) all those shows like salute your shorts pete and pete um doug what is the perfect age for Doug, though, really, when you think about it? I don't it? know. For me, it was uh, like 17. <laughs> did you ever see? Did you ever? Dude, same here. Same. And, uh, Actually, Alex my, Mack. Uh, I was yep, with Alex you. Mack. Um, Are You Afraid, Are of, you the afraid dark? of the Dark? Uh, Snick, man. Snick, Saturday nights. Uh, yeah. That was a party at my yeah, house. I still watched Kablam on Friday nights when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, like come on man those shows just they transcend generations pete and pete how can you not that's true how can you not still think pete and pete was one of the most genius and absurd things to ever hit the airwaves oh my gosh yeah i'm gonna have to watch all those again Mm. yeah the thing is it's almost like history is trying to erase it uh i can't find it anywhere like even the dvds Mm it's like they stopped making them or something because really? they're like selling you uh, they're selling on Amazon for like last I checked used for like 80 bucks or something. Jeez. Wow. So I don't know. I like, it seems like uh, they realized how unproud they were of that show or something, hmm. <laughs> uh, which I don't get. Uh, it, yeah. I don't either. Again, wow. if, if I was the person who gave the green light to Pete and Pete, Mm-hmm. I would consider myself a genius. <laughs> like you wouldn't be able yeah. to debate me because right. I would just win in my mind anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I didn't green light Pete and Pete, so I'm not a genius. I'm <laughs> so actually stupid. This is all hypothetical. I get it. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you're stuck with stupid Dan, but you know, until I get the chance yeah. to like green light a show that's as yeah. intellectually uh, stable as yeah. uh, Pete and Pete, you're, that's when you can call me genius, Dan. So I don't know. The world might be waiting yeah. for a while. As soon as I do some genius shit, I'm going to be a genius. <laughs> exactly. That's Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon in the 90s was a whole different ball game, man. Was... Yeah, I've actually watched two documentaries recently about it. Oh, yeah? Um, what did they say? Well, one was like, actually, well, actually, I've watched three documentaries. Oh, my God. I need to get a life. Um, So one of them was seriously, it was called like the Orange Years or something like that. And it was it was really well done. But it was also, I think, made kind of by Nickelodeon or something. So it didn't really get too serious or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mark Summers was on it. And, you know, pretty much everyone from the shows um, did their little talking head interviews. Yeah. And then I watched one about John Kay. um, Oh, yeah. Brennan Stimpy and John Kay. And then I watched another one about... That guy, uh, he was in a few things. Head of the Class was a TV show he was on. He was also in the movie Better Off Dead. But he made like all that and a bunch of other shows and turned out to be a, a, a creep. And so I watched Oh, a, are you talking a documentary about, um, about that? His name is Dan something. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to. Be... Yeah, Dan <laughs> Orr. <I think. laughs> Dude. Yes. So people, if you, uh, if you know anybody by the name of Dan Orr, Please. He was uh, a genius and a no. <laughs> well, no, no, he's stupid. He didn't greenlight oh, yeah. any Nickelodeon shows. Well, all that and um Keenan and Kel and Oh, that Dan Orr. Uh, yeah. The, right. the genius Dan Orr, <laughs> the genius creep. But uh no, but yeah. seriously though, uh, his his actual name was Dan also. It yeah, wasn't right. It is. Like, yeah, I can't remember his last name. I know exactly what you're talking Dan- about. Like he Dan Creepy Genius. I think. <laughs> Creepy Genius. Well, I don't know. All the shows that he he pioneered, like in the two yeah. thousands, I wouldn't call them genius. No, they weren't. Ge- he's just um, a creep. Dan but he's, Creepy. He, yeah, Dan Creepy. We'll call him that. But yeah, no, this dude, whoever he is, yeah, he was like accused of all kinds of like sexual assaults or something with like some of the minors that were on the show, including some big stars we know. Yeah, like. We now know, yeah, that's it's crazy, man. It's nuts. But John Kay was uh, also not a, a creep. Uh, yes, he was also a creep. And yeah. he got accused of, that's essentially why he got fired from Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. 
And also uh, Brian Peck worked on that show, All That. And he mm-hmm. also was a creep. He was yeah. in my favorite horror movie, Return of the Living Dead. I know now, Dan Schneider. That's who Yeah, he is. that's it. Dan yeah. Schneider, Brian Peck, and John Kay. So I would say just stay the hell away from Nickelodeon. Grownups. If you're a kid, don't talk to grownups. Yeah. And if you're an adult, is. don't talk to other adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just stay I mean, away from everyone because they're all creeps. And I and, and that's just the truth. Yes. Yeah. All except me. Ups. I mean, you can talk to me. Except <laughs> all the creeps are gonna tell you that too. Okay, no. So I don't know. It's very difficult. Yes. Just be safe and stay away from other adults. People. And also as an adult, don't talk to kids because that's creepy too. So here's the deal. Just no one talk to anyone. Yeah. That's it. We had it right this last year. Just stay quarantined and go nowhere. Yeah. Don't do anything. Don't interact with anyone ever again. And just do podcasts for the rest of your life. Yeah. See, we're not hurting anyone. Yeah. I mean, there might be a young person or another adult listening to my voice right now, but yeah. I mean, it's okay. Cause I'm not really there. Whoa. Um, I never thought of it like that, dude. <laughs> that I'm not really in with people when they listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Or well, like right now I'm talking to Eric Whitaker, but I'm not really talking to Eric Whitaker. Right. Whoa, man. That is far out dude well that's and that's why it's okay because otherwise i would be like dan you really should not talk (laughs) (laughs) he is most definitely a creep as soon as you see me shut your mouth dude like i really don't think you should yeah you should oh hear the things i say you should just not be around me i mean wait wait it's a bad deal I have an idea. I have an idea. Well, actually two ideas. Hmm. Um, The first idea is, uh, well, okay, no, I have one idea. (laughs) Let's, um, why don't you talk about records with people instead of, you know what I mean? Like music, talk music with people. We could do that. Yeah. That'll make you safe. Hey, that is a good idea. It kind of seems like I had another idea though. (laughs) I don't know. I think, I think I think talking about some records is a, a pretty good idea. So I mean, yeah, let's start with that idea, and then I'll tell you what. If I if I think of my other idea, maybe we'll. Uh, all right. I'll interrupt. Sweet. Like I always seem to do. <laughs> okay, so speaking of creeps, I'm I'm sort of kidding, but I'll get to that. I have heard a little bit of feedback from people, and one thing that they've said to me is that they never really hear me or us say that they didn't like something or have negative things to say about it. Right. And so I'm about to change that a little bit. Okay. So my first choice is Ghost Main. Uh, mm-hmm. The album is called Noise mm-hmm. and it came out in 2018. And I listened to a lot of like horror rap, experimental, dark, kind of hybrids of rap and industrial and all kinds of stuff like that. So for me to happen upon Ghost Main makes absolute perfect sense. And when I first listened through a couple songs, I was like, oh, hell yeah, this will be awesome. And with that being said, I did love the production a lot. I love the music. Um, there are elements of industrial, metal, hardcore, but also like, I don't even know how to say it, like Southern rap or even like like almost dubby, mindless self-indulgence kind of delivery of some rap stuff, um, things like that. But yeah, I love the music of the Ghost Main record. Some of the time it sounds a lot like Nine Inch Nails, like exactly like Nine Inch Nails, which is fine. I like Nine Inch Nails. But yeah, uh, if I had to really narrow it down to what this sounds like, I would say if you like Marilyn Manson, and Mindless Self-Indulgence, and uh, Nine Inch Nails, other industrial stuff, other hardcore stuff too that maybe I don't know about. You're going to like at least the music and maybe the lyrics. And so here's where I stand with this though. I actually, I know I make jokes all the time about how violence is super cool and terrorism's neat and worshiping the devil's hilarious and Things like that. You know, I'm act- I'm just being edgy, okay? I don't 
even if I did believe any of the crap that I say, I don't actually think it should have any bearing on like the real world or who I am as a person or whatever. And unfortunately with this ghost main, I just don't think it was made for me, at least lyrically. And the way it's delivered is fine. Like I said, I like the music and I like everything about this record, but it just has this really misanthropic, violent, incel kind of, I don't want to say misogyny, but it's like almost inherent because this, the person making this music, and I know it's an act and everything. I know that they're trying to get people riled up, but it just seems like they've been hurt and they really want to hurt other people. And they really have no other course for resolving their internal struggles and pain and the things that they've, they've been through, except to lash out against everyone around them, themselves, society in general. And it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I don't necessarily, I don't know. Like I said, I know this is a character and I know that this is music and I'm obviously not about any sort of censorship or people not expressing themselves the way they want to. Yeah, I don't know. Like for some reason when I was younger, like songs like Lunchbox didn't bother me, but songs about like having weapons under your trench coat now coming out in 2018, it kind of bothers me. I just don't think it, I think we've evolved a little bit or we should have evolved a little bit past just society has hurt me. I'm going to hurt society. And, you know, just this kind of, yeah, like I said, misanthropic, violent feeling to the whole thing. So with that being said, I really enjoyed the music. I just couldn't get behind what some of the songs were about. So anyway, that's my take. And what do you think, Dan? Um, you know, it's it's interesting that all the stuff that you just said was basically a much more well thought out version of what I actually wrote down oh, in response cool. to this record. Uh, I'm going to say that you went into way more detail and you pretty much said everything without me having to say it in terms of the violence on this mm -hmm. record. I kind of feel like it reminds me of like a Burzum record in that sense. Not that it mm -hmm. sounds black metal, but you know, he almost maybe not as bad and probably not as bad of a human being as Burzum, but you, you know, that's kind of the feeling I get from like Burzum, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or from like Varg Vikernes the sort of persona and the character as you were kind of mentioning kind of reminded me of that. And it was actually uh, that song about carrying weapons under your trench coat that yeah. definitely rubbed me the wrong way too. In fact, I had to kind of pause it and go back and just sort of be like, what? Like yeah. that's, this actually happened in real life. Really dude. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? That sort of thing. But yeah, this record sounded like an industrial rap record, which I mean, in all honesty, that's kind of a big thing right now. There's, mm -hmm. there's a huge, uh, slightly underground, but just enough to really kind of put them in the public eye. There's kind mm -hmm. of a whole like underground of this sort of thing happening that ghost main actually kind of seems to be somewhat of a, of a huge figure in sure. maybe pioneering. Yeah. Um, and so his rapping reminded me of like, well, like you mentioned, Southern rap, um, like almost horrorcore. Like yeah. uh, his cadence when he raps reminds me a little bit of Three Six Mafia. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, and maybe even ICP a little bit, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. But when he sings and <laughs> it, the Nine Inch Nails thing is so right on the money because and I wrote this down, uh, reminded me so much of Trent Reznor. It's not mm -hmm. even funny. Right. I was almost convinced that this was just Nine Inch Nails disguising themselves and making yeah. a rap album. Or doing a guest vocal or something. Or, yeah, or doing yeah. a guest vocal. I mean, that's right. how close he gets to sounding like Trent Reznor mm -hmm. at times. I think also this record borders a little on the cheesy side lyrically, mm -hmm. um, right. you know. And I mean, I think that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to be like this horror movie rap record sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, but, you know, yeah, his his voice, 
uh, it was a little too close to something like psychopathic records. And I never mm. really cared for that kind of rap, but it's, it's interesting too. When you talk about the music, I also love the music and my favorite track was an instrumental track. <laughs> Androids dream of electric sheep. Oh yeah. That track was sweet. Yeah, for sure. It was amazing. It sounded like a horror movie score. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it didn't sound like it was, it it sounded almost like something I'd really never heard before Mm -hmm. and what it was doing. So there were also just very great elements of almost like innovation on this record too, that I, uh, I really embraced. Um, yeah. So basically it's like, if you like horror core industrial and, almost like i don't know black metal type characters mm-hmm. <laughs> that's i mean this is for you and actually i don't know if you knew this or not i believe ghost main actually did a black metal album oh really hmm. i believe so and so the black metal reference mm-hmm. um and i discovered this after listening to this record hmm. it could i think it's ghost main but it, it's either him or one of the other kind of popular like modern horror core mm-hmm. type records you know because essentially that's what this is i i feel like yeah. this record is pretty much an updated version of horror core mm-hmm. you know uh i do too and uh they he does have a new record out and so i don't know you know if things have changed or if everything's kind of the same vein as this one you yeah. know and so i mean i don't want to tell people not to listen to something but i just want people to know that if they do listen to this put on your Marilyn Manson jinkos first and like <laughs> pull yeah. you know it's like I mean under understand that it's not um I mean it's it's basically we kind of said the same thing about mindless yeah. self-indulgence you know right. what I mean like yeah, we did it, it's just not going to be um it, it's not necessarily politically correct you know right. it's not necessarily and and I think part of it is a guy like you said just trying to be offensive for the sake right. of being offensive and honestly if that's your deal have fun like I, it just doesn't work for me it's just not right my thing. so yep whatever you know exactly yeah and i agree uh overall i thought it was a pretty cool record it's probably not going to receive multiple plays from me yeah but right. it was definitely interesting to uh you know listen to it though mm-hmm. for sure Okay, so uh, this uh, first one I'm going to talk about, I'm going to uh, move away from the hip hop for a -hmm. little bit. And I'm going to talk about Dale Crover's second solo album, Rat-A-Tat-Tat, that just came out at the beginning of this year. Dale Crover, the drummer of the Melvins. And this record, I think, is just fantastic. It's, um, It's a catchy pop record in a lot of ways that also embraces elements of noise and avant-garde music at times. Uh, But at its core, what I think this sounds like is just a really well sort of updated version of a good classic hard rock record, basically. But I also think it has some, you know, just weird elements thrown in, which if you know the Melvins, that's no surprise. Um, Dale, I think, has a really surprisingly really great singing voice. And there's a couple of like sort of um, interludes, like the first track is an instrumental intro that sounds almost as deconstructed and crazy as something like Throbbing Gristle. Uh, But then before you know it, they go into the second song, which is called um, I Can't Help You There. And it sounds like uh, the Rolling Stones or something like that there's also elements of like hendrix and zeppelin on throughout this record maybe also even like some t-rex and stooges i would say like if you combined all of those elements with like devo craft work a little bit of resonance throbbing gristle you might get closer to describing this album and also i mean let's face it i hear a lot of the melvins in this as well Some of it even reminds me of Nirvana, but overall it's a really interesting listen and fun listen from beginning to end. There's some acoustic elements that I kind of didn't really care for um, overall in the production, like one song in particular, and I can't even remember what song it was. Um, That song I wasn't a huge fan of, but 
yeah, I just think it's a really interesting record and was kind of unexpected, honestly, from the drummer of the Melvins for me anyway. So what did you think, Eric? Overall, I, I liked it. It is really experimental at times. I think the first track and the majority of the last track are, I think they even share some music, but that's all pretty experimental stuff. There's a heavy percussion element throughout the whole thing, which you would expect because, you know, a drummer focuses on that thing more than others might. I, yeah, overall, I liked it. I agree that I didn't necessarily care for the acoustic stuff, but I did. I, I really liked it when it just calmed down a little bit and there were just songs. Yeah. Because I thought it was pretty interesting what kind of songs came out of it. For me, it felt kind of like if the Melvins or Queens of the Stone Age or something like that just completely decided to give in to their Almond Brothers, Molly Hatchet sort of leanings. Like they right. just decided, okay, let's give up the pretense of we're a heavy metal band and just play this classic rock music that we love, you know, like ZZ Top and everything. Like, I know that all these guys love that music. You know, I think absolutely. I would guess on the tour bus, they're not listening to, you know, a lot of throbbing gristle, maybe some, but I would sure. guess a lot of it is, you know, going to be kiss and Molly hatchet and things like that for real. And so I think for me, that was the sense that I got from it was like, wow, this is actually like classic Southern rock with a little bit of a heavier edge to it. Yeah. And it was super fun to hear that because I don't think the Melvins, what I've listened to, and I, I'll freely admit that there's, I've listened to a third of the Melvin stuff. <laughs> right. But uh, it never fully goes into just that sort of classic rock. And so- yeah. Um, that's what I, that's, that's what I took from this. And I, I did enjoy that aspect of it the most. So, sure. um, and I know that Dale Crover has another record out an earlier one, yes. which I haven't heard. So I don't know if that, how that one compares to this. Um, but I might go back and listen to it. Cause I'd like to see if it's maybe more song based or maybe it's more experimental. I have no idea, but the um, earlier, I think it's the worth listening. Definitely. The earlier record, Fickle Finger of Fate. It is more experimental. Oh, okay. Um, it has more tracks on it, but it has a lot of shorter tracks. Mm -hmm. But I would say that it's not as song-oriented as this one. Okay. But it does have some of the catchy classic mm -hmm. rock elements that this one okay. does. So, um, so following the evolution of Dale Crover, as I understand it, I'll probably like the next record a lot. Yes, <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. He's... um. Dale Crover's, in my opinion, the Melvins wouldn't even be the same without Dale Crover. It's like on drums, like he makes that band. And mm -hmm. I mean, so does Buzz. Don't get me wrong. Buzz writes yeah. all the material. But Dale Crover's drumming is just unmatched as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He's like such a crazy drummer, just the way that he and he's mm -hmm. perfect for what the Melvins do. And so for, for sure. him to you, you always expect solo projects of bands band members from certain bands to kind of sound at least something like mm -hmm. their original bands and for him to go off and write these insanely catchy songs that you know really i mean the melvins in their relationship with melody is mm -hmm. few and far between it, i'm not saying it doesn't exist with the melvins right. yeah. but it certainly is not it's not the uh, point. <laughs> it's not the point or, or even like the, uh, I mean, I don't think the Mel, I don't think King Buzzo and Dale Crover could even write like that <laughs> together. I just, yeah. there's some, there's something else that goes on when those two get together, you know? And mm -hmm. so for him to write these catchy, really catchy songs that honestly, a couple of these songs border on, I could hear them on the radio, mm -hmm. you know? Like I could, I could actually hear this between like, I don't know, Blind Melons, No Rain and uh, Alice in Chains Rooster, you know, yeah. like a couple of songs, you know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. really, really cool stuff. It, it's great to see him, uh, you know, expand out of 
what his normal band usually does. For sure. So my next one is it's called Perfume Genius. Uh, the album is called Set My Heart on Fire Immediately. Came out in 2020. It seems to be really popular, um, which is funny. I think that one of the things I like about doing this podcast is I just find stuff and I don't really know anything about it. And if I like it or I think I'll like it, then I'll review it. But apparently Perfume Genius has like a million listeners a month on Spotify. So compared to some of the other projects we've done that have maybe like 25 wow. listeners, um, th this is pretty popular. But yeah, I would say so. I would say that it deserves to be popular. Um, this record is easily, without a doubt, one of the best things I've heard in an extremely long time. I haven't actually fallen for an album this hard probably since we did the igor record which blew me away like i was in love with it and i feel the same way about this one like honestly if i had heard this in 2020 when it came out it would have been on my top three list without without a doubt maybe even the the number one from 2020 i just i i loved every second of it anyway it's it's a very theatrical record it's very fragile but also very empowering and um, very heartfelt. And I'm super glad that this was the other record that I picked this week, like to even out the ghost main record, mm -hmm. they couldn't be more different as far as how the worldview of the people presenting this music perfume genius. There are, uh, you know, there's sad moments. There's, things that are painful but overall it's it's more like someone finding themselves and being really empowered and i don't know just enlightened about how how much they can actually like themselves i know that sounds long-winded and crazy but that was the sense i got from it and um i just loved it it had so many different elements like the connective tissue through the whole thing is sort of this empowerment and theatrical element because the songs are really different they go everywhere sometimes it sounds like Anthony and the Johnsons sometimes it sounds like Caleb Landry Jones sometimes it sounds like Twin Shadow or Washed Out and stuff like that sometimes it sounds like Rufus Wainwright Bell and Sebastian tons of stuff um the thing that actually reminded me the most of this is a debate for another time, but there's a record called Extraordinary Machine by Fiona Apple, which mm -hmm. is phenomenal. But I fell in love with the leaked version of it that was um, produced by a guy called John Bryan. Um, mm -hmm. And I liked that original leaked version a lot more than the one that actually came out. There are strong opinions on about that on both sides. Mm -hmm. But it reminded me a lot of that. It was all at moments. It's like there's like a Disney orchestral element to things, but also sometimes it just sounds like Depeche Mode or Wham. It just goes everywhere. Like I said, it's heartbreakingly sad at moments, but overall I found it uplifting. Just super easy to love. Just so easy to be like, wow, I this is so amazing. But anyway, um, I just loved it. I can't really say enough about it. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I I thought it was great. It um definitely has moments of melancholy. Um, like the first song, Whole Life, which I think mm -hmm. is just a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous yeah. opener. Mm -hmm. Um, is just you can almost hear the pain mm -hmm. in his voice. Like it almost sounds like he's getting ready to cry. Yeah. I mean, it's just and but then like the music also kind of actually reminded me it had a lot of like reverb it kind of reminded me sure. musically of something like roy orbison or something it, like it that. it was twangy i forgot it to mention that i listen to that, so much twang that i actually yeah it's, don't notice it yeah it has like this twangy like again reminds me of twin peaks sort of thing mm -hmm. then it goes into sounding like something like mountain goats for a little bit or yeah, something sure. like that i mean not definitely not john darnell's voice i mean mm -hmm. he's definitely got like he doesn't have a high pitched voice like John Darnell right. or, you know, it, it's, it's a very just lush 
sounding kind of voice for, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a lame way to describe it, but like um, Ben folds five, I heard a lot of like Ben folds five type wow. stuff, like piano okay. type stuff. Yeah. Um, also another one love spit love. I can like, see that. Yeah. And then there was one song in particular where he was using some sort of, uh, it sounded like almost like an eighties, nineties sort of production that, the song reminded me of like fun, fine young cannibals or something. Yeah. Like that. On the like, floor, maybe on the floor. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Cause for that's sure. That's it is that, poppy it, as shit poppy, <laughs> but it sounded, it sounded like it would have been, it, it sounded like it was, it was a song out of time in the best yeah. ways because it could have totally fit on like three radio in like 1990. Oh yeah. You know, it, it was just mm-hmm. so, but so good. Yeah. There's, and yeah, I definitely sensed the empowerment. Um, you know, yeah, really good. Some of it also reminded me maybe a little bit of Connor Oberst, uh, Bright mm. Eyes type stuff, but not yeah. really. I mean, these are all just things because a lot of the stuff you compared it to, I'm not really familiar with. Gotcha. So these are kind of the best examples I could think of. Yeah, yeah, that, that's how it works, though. But so. none of it is like, none of it sounds like any of those things. <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. it sounds like perfume genius. Right it's really, it's just a really good, it's maybe not something I would listen to all the time, Mm -hmm. but you know, well, that's the thing too, is like I, some of the feedback that I have gotten about the show besides me, never uh, us never saying anything bad about anyone. Right. You know, actually this isn't feedback. This is a perceived feedback, which is something I invented in my mind, which is if you listen to this podcast and you are sick of, Everything being vaporwave, glitch, uh, power, violence, doom, drone, noise, experimental, avant-garde. Like all the stuff that we, this is really accessible. Like I think you'll like. Very much so. And I'm talking to you, whoever you are. I think you'll find something on this that is really enjoyable. I think so. I I don't want to say it's straightforward at all i think it's super interesting and super good but there's nothing on this that you know that should i don't even know how to say it should offend the ears like i I just think it if you've been listening to our show and you're like why the fuck don't they ever talk about music that sounds like music here you go listen to this record (laughs) yeah i mean if this if this doesn't work for you then i would just recommend listen to void dweller then you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> like, but yeah, no, this is like real gorgeous and real, like, I just really well put together songs. Yeah. The um, record, my last pick is uh, from a rapper named Sage Francis. And the name of this record is Personal Journals. Now, Sage Francis, just to give some history, uh, he's somebody who I've been following for a long time. Uh as I mentioned, he's a rapper from Providence, Rhode Island. He basically got his start as a freestyle battle rapper at this thing called Scribble Jam that used to take place. I don't know where it was. I might have been New York, but I could be completely off the mark there. Uh, it was a hip hop slash poetry fest where they had, I think, from what I gather, you can actually find YouTube videos, but it's really cool. Um, Cause there's a lot of names that were just coming up like in 1999, like atmosphere slug was there um, and they were all kind of battling. And then they ended up kind of becoming, uh, you know, not stars, but they ended up becoming career musicians mm-hmm. and um, you know, started their own careers and everything. But Uh, Scribble Jam was kind of a pathway to that in the late 90s for underground indie rappers. Aesop Rock, I think, uh, attended a few. Uh, But anyway, so it's um, it was like a hip hop poetry fest and they would have battle raps and they would have like these poetry sort of readings, freestyle readings. And then also DJs would battle, too. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed like it was a very interesting thing, you know, that you that people were involved with at that time i wish i would have been involved or you know like old enough to have attended some of these because they looked like they would have been a blast but anyway Mm -hmm. and then he went on tour with atmosphere because atmosphere uh probably discovered him at like you know scribble jam or caught a performance of him because i mean 
these underground rappers at that time were kind of, you know, in cahoots with each other. And so I think he probably got his first taste of success uh, of, of his underground career uh, touring with atmosphere. And then he also made a single called makeshift Patriot, which was a response to the nine 11 tax way back in like 2001. Hmm. And that was kind of his for the first time. I think that you started hearing about Sage Francis mm -hmm. and then he put out his album, personal journals now on Wikipedia or not Wikipedia, Spotify. It says this record came out in 2006. Hmm. It actually came out in 2002. So I'm assuming 2006 must've been like a, like a remaster or reissue mm -hmm. or something. Uh, but anyway, um, he also put out a bunch of mixtapes around this time as well. And basically the mixtapes, they were cool. And they were basically just sort of like, you know, boom, bap, you know, kind of braggadocio raps, you know, battle mm -hmm. rap stuff. Cause that's what he was kind of doing. Mm -hmm. um, this record took like a complete like 180 and there's a huge difference in content and approach from that to this album as this album is uh, you know lyrically i feel like it explores a lot of vulnerabilities mm -hmm. um and it's definitely a lot of reflection of like relationships and in fact this is the very first time this album was the very first time that i heard the term emo rap being described mm -hmm. as a rap record um there's a very raw element like emotional element um I mean, it basically sounds like a punk record, you know, like a, like a, like, it sounds like almost like this is kind of a ridiculous description, but like almost if like early Fagazi made like a rap record or something it kind of has like that sort of aesthetic or sound to it to me anyway. Uh, it's, it's very jagged, but yet also very pretty sounding in a lot of parts. It's, kind of inconsistent as far as the mixing goes, but I think that's part of its charm. I think that's exactly what this record sonically needed to be. Sometimes it's so close to lo-fi without being lo-fi that you actually hear like some tape hiss and it, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's multiple producers. So, and this was probably recorded in, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the, some of this was recorded in like the late nineties or early two thousands. So there might've been tape machines still kind of involved. Um, and I think that that's, again, that inconsistency is great, but it all is, it's mixed well. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you don't really hear that, but I'm comparing it to his later records as well. Um, sonically. So that's kind of why I say that, but yeah, it, it definitely is, is just a really interesting, um, great hip hop record. Um, mm -hmm. I guess the one thing that maybe hasn't necessarily aged well for me about it is the fact that I do think sometimes it tends to drag on a little bit. Mm. Um, there are moments where I'm kind of like, okay, maybe this song doesn't necessarily need to be this long, but then you also realize that he's actually making points in his lyrics. Like I right. think the opening of this album, the one, two of uh crack pipes and then going into mm -hmm. different is just one of the most hilarious yet very sad mm -hmm. and emotional yet very absurd mm -hmm. uh, moments that I've ever heard on a hip hop record. It literally <laughs> goes from like, the first track is he's like basically rapping about, I don't know, like meeting uh, grandma for Sunday dinner and then something about an intensive care unit. So you're almost getting a picture painted of like, you know, something's going wrong, like in mm -hmm. his life. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into different where it's almost got this like absurdly off kilter beat that doesn't sound like it should be wrapped over. It's mm -hmm. almost not even a beat. Like it, it like there's this like, like weird sort of like part at the end of like each, I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's like each uh, measure, I guess, mm -hmm. where you hear this like drum, like thing that's like, 
yeah. like it sounds like it belongs on Looney Tunes or something. It's <laughs> yeah. freaking crazy. And then he's like rapping about like how he doesn't have like any money and how he's like this poor rapper who records these awful sounding records mm-hmm. and you're just supposed to respect him for it, which is just <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It's great. And it works because especially at that time, there was really nobody doing anything like this mm-hmm. in hip hop. It was very um, unheard of. Uh, and I know I say that about almost every rap record I talk about, <laughs> but with this one, it's true. I feel like this was a very just interesting, um, very skilled rap record Mm -hmm. that was not, it was very inclusive. I feel like in that regard, Sage Mm -hmm. Francis was ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, He was talking about a lot of, he was doing a lot of rapping about a lot of stuff that was almost as ridiculous as it sounds taboo in hip-hop mm-hmm. right. especially around like 2002 you weren't mm-hmm. supposed to be sensitive you weren't supposed to be right. heartfelt you were supposed to be this tough guy i mean even sage himself kind of came from that with the battle rap stuff mm-hmm. but and so i can only imagine what what the underground hip-hop movement thought of personal journals when it first came out right i'm sure that they were probably like what the hell now he also has um, he got signed to Epitaph. So there's your punk comparison right there. Mm. Like, even if, I mean, and this record came out on his own label called Strange Famous. I'm assuming, because 2005 is when his second record, A Healthy Distrust, came out. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm assuming that probably is what the 2006 on Spotify, I bet Personal Journals was reissued by uh, Epitaph. Oh, that makes sense. That's probably what it was. A healthy distrust, as you can probably tell by the title, was a lot more political than this record. Mm -hmm. There was still elements of that sort of heartfelt emotional stuff. But ultimately, Personal Journals was almost that just all the way through. And he was wearing his heart on his sleeve, Mm -hmm. like through this entire record. And that's why I love this record. Yeah. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, The production is really cool. Um, I liked the samples they were weird and kind of stilted and mm-hmm. off a little but they were really atmospheric and jazzy and strange i don't want to say it was experimental i i just think the um the sample choices were really interesting and cool um mm-hmm. but i don't think it was like experimental or whatever um but really cool overall though it, i feel like it had moments where it's funny right and tongue in cheek and things like that. But for the most part, overall, it it had a pretty dark feeling about it and really amazing wordplay. I think he's a really good rapper and I think a really good writer. Yeah. Um, But yeah, overall it had this kind of darkness to it all. And it had lots of references and maybe this is just me inferring things, but it, it, it had a lot of references to like what sounds like a really hard time growing up. Yeah. Like, I don't like as a child, as a young adult, as you know, even the age that he's at making this record, but it just seemed really cathartic. Like this whole thing just seemed like he had, he had a lot to work through and he's doing it out loud and on the record. And I think, it's really cool. Yes. You know, we talked about Ghost Main earlier. This is sort of the right way to work your way through some feelings and come out of it having a grown as a person and learned and become better, not worse. You know? Yes. And I think that that's kind of what I took from this record. Um, as a side note, though, I fucking hate Turn the Page. I hate it. Oh yeah, I the absolutely <laughs> hate it. And here's the thing, like the cover of it's called My Name is Strange. And yeah. I don't think they even give any writing credits to Bob Seeger, which I could give. No. Yeah. <laughs> there is sort of is a turn the page cover. I hate the song Turn the Page. I hate the yeah. concept. I hate the song, the words, everything about it. 
and Metallica covering it was one thing. Right. They're so up their own asses at this point, whatever. <laughs> but I was surprised by Sage Francis yeah. covering it. And I, anyone who knows me has already heard this rant, but I'm, I'll, I'll try to condense it. Turn the page sucks. And here's the reason. If you don't like it, quit. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, you're out there on the road, on tour, playing every night in a band, and this is your life's dream. And then you're going to turn around and just write a song about how shitty it is the whole sure. time. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. Who gives but a shit? Doesn't that we don't do care if Bob Seger or Metallica goes on the road? <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on this hold on. is your choice, dude. Not No one's forcing you to do this. Like, just bail. If you hate being a rock star so much. Anyway. Okay, but what about like, then what do you say to like, I don't know, Kurt Cobain or, you know, because I mean, that's basically like what a lot of songs by like Kurt Cobain was about, for example. There, well, the whole grunge era kind of seemed like, kind of seemed like it was like the anti-rock star by being rock yeah, stars. I don't remember a Nirvana song where they actually, well, the whole song just talks about how crappy it is to be uh, playing shows like like specifically like yeah that's true it wasn't like it was he was talking about hating life a lot but right. not not hating yeah yeah, yeah this is like literally like i gotta plug in my guitar and play a fucking song and i hate my life it's like jesus <laughs> oh, dude then just stop oh, okay man. what about what about like um <laughs> Dude, that is like the best voice I've ever heard you do. Even though that song, because I'm not a big fan of it either, but I just simply just didn't like this. I didn't actually give any thought as to why I didn't care for it. <laughs> I think Metallica did make it better. I, I think they, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I, if, if, if I had the choice between having to listen to. Like, oh, if I had to listen to one of them, I'd listen to Sage Francis. <laughs> well, the Sage one, yeah, but let's just say the Sage one didn't exist. Oh, okay. well, that all being said, what did you think of his take? My name is Strange. I it just it didn't do anything any different, really. Okay, I, so it so it, it just triggered memories of that song. Yeah, I just I okay. just hate the song. <laughs> uh, I do have to um, I do have to uh, make a correction. Oh, I okay. said that this album came out on um, on uh, his own label, Strange Famous which I'm pretty sure that's what the reference to my name is strange is. Yeah. Is about his label. Right. No, actually this record came out on Anticon in hmm. 2002, which is um, home to uh cloud dead. And uh, hmm. who's that one Dose guy one. that dose one and mm -hmm. a bunch of experimental rappers. This was the catchiest thing on Anticon in 2002. Yeah. Sage Francis is like the most commercial sounding or the most right. <laughs> normal sounding thing. So that's the first nice. thing. The second thing too, is that he also appeared on a bad religion album. Weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The empire strikes nice. first, I believe. Hmm. So yeah, Sage Francis, uh, my favorite line on the entire record was um, different, like a platypus analytical analyst. By the end of this record, I'll make sure all you all know who Sage Francis is. Yeah. I loved that too. That was, that was great. And Just your delivery like, was really good too. <laughs> well, dude, I've listened to this fucking album so much. <laughs> nice. I, it's just like, this, this is like, seriously, like this is like me when I was like 23, 24, like getting into like, uh, you know, underground hip hop and listening to like, you know, Aesop rock and LP and Sage and atmosphere. Jurassic five was in there too. I love mm -hmm. that group. You, yeah. you remember Jurassic five? Oh yeah. Yeah. Such a, good hip-hop group the thing about them though is they're all dead rappers i don't really like that <laughs> so hmm i mean no seriously like there's a conspiracy and I, i'm pretty sure it's a joke that like akil the mc mm -hmm. who was one of the members is tupac reincarnated or not oh. even reincarnated uh tupac faked his death wow biggie faked his death big l faked his death <laughs> and they all formed this group called Jurassic five. Wow. And there's a movie on Netflix that is about this place that was on the West coast where all these rappers kind of came up like freestyle fellowship. 
Jurassic five and a bunch of these like rappers on the web, hieroglyphics mm-hmm. and all those guys. I can't even remember the name of it, man. That sucks. Cause it's a really good documentary. And, uh, there's footage of the Jurassic five long before <laughs> Tupac <laughs> died. So that's yeah. why I think it's gotta be a joke. And then the other thing that really put the nail in the coffin for me is that, um, their uh, DJ who was cut chemist. Mm-hmm. He's a white guy. Uh, yeah. the only white guy in Jurassic five. Mm-hmm. And, um, they say that cut chemist is now, uh, MCA from the Beastie Boys. <laughs> and I'm like, like, now he's MCA. They killed him and MCA freaking walked into his so who, who says this? Just the internet? Uh, there's a website. <laughs> there's a YouTube channel and I can't, I think it's called Akil the MC is Tupac. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and it's or something like that. All you have to do is just look up Jurassic hmm. Five. There's this great video that I think is just fantastic. Whether this guy's being serious or not, where he actually shows <laughs> he does face comparisons. Every person he like shows a keel right next to Tupac, and he's like, uh, "See, you can tell they have the same nose. They have uh, the same, you know, but they don't look alike at all." I'm like, "What are you talking?" That about? sounds awesome. I'm gonna it's check that out. Fantastic. It's nice. That leads us to uh, the local release, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So the local release this week hails from Des Moines, Iowa have a little bit of a story here hmm. so they're called the blenders and it's fronted by a guy who i think just goes by the name trevor blender hmm. and it's actually normally it's just him playing hmm. acoustic guitars and singing these incredibly amazing catchy songs that he hmm. writes and but in the early 2010s my band at the time uh, disgruntled noise box played a little fest that was put on by uh, this band called techno Lincoln called mm-hmm. Foon fest in Iowa city at the old public space one. And the band that played right after us, I believe was the blenders. Hmm. And I'm sure he probably doesn't have any memory of this. Maybe <laughs> he does. I don't know. All I know is that I was blown away at this band when I saw them, they were so fun and just so like non fucking around in like a really like Ramones type way where, I mean, they didn't, they did their set Ramones style for the most part, where it's just after a song, one, two, three, four, or they would just yell out the next song. And mm-hmm. it was just so fun. And so like, I just, the song stuck with me forever. I was actually singing one of the songs on the way home, like, mm-hmm. and I was just, I got to get a CD from, from these guys, you know, and I thought they were just always a band, but apparently this was just sort of like a, I don't know if it was just, I don't know if, if he just wanted to put together a band for a few shows, like a full band and they just play acoustic, but he's got tons of records on his band camp mm-hmm. under the name, the blenders. This is a record that was just released a couple weeks ago called Washington Called, also known as the Long Lost Full Band Record. And so this was apparently recorded in 2013. So it's actually an old record that just was never released. And I'm not sure what the whole decision was about that or why, but um, I just, I love this project from beginning to end. It's just unashamedly, is that even a word? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no shame <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, about them just being Ramones, doo-wop inspired pop punk with fun, juvenile, but also dumb and smart lyrics at the same time. Like mm-hmm. the song about how they want to be unemployed. Mm-hmm. He wants to be unemployed mm-hmm. and not contribute anything to society. <laughs> And I mean, it's so relatable. It's like, it's, it's dumb, but it's fun and it's relatable. Like who really does want to work? Like when you think about it, you know, like who really wants to do that? And it's perfect for like 
a band that sounds like a combination of the Ramones, the Descendants, Green Day, Screeching Weasel, but also Buddy Holly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, parts of it also even remind me a little bit of They Might Be Giants. Mm-hmm. Like if they were just more of a straight up, you know, punk act. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite songs on here, I mean, there's not a bad song on the entire thing. Uh, this is another one where I just... I have nothing bad to say. I, I, I love this album. Yeah. Um, it came from the radio. My favorite song is never loved you. My mm-hmm. gosh, that, uh, Oh, oh, I can't even do it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, cause I sound stupid when I do it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. I guess, what do they call it? Like a, Oh, part. <laughs> um, like a doo-wop. Doo-wop. Yeah. Like a doo-wop. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. And then the song hypochondriac, which I think mm-hmm. is, hilarious but also scary and relatable too because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i've had that happen to me like for real it's mm-hmm. like there i don't know it's like trevor he kind of just like digs into this i don't know i mean this probably sounds too deep this maybe is just an insane but for me like i think that you know he digs into like this part of everybody's like being where they just they they want to be like free they want to be mm-hmm. like you know a child you know because there's a childlike quality to this yeah. music too mm-hmm. and it's like but then like you know there's also like you know like a song like hypochondriac it can be taken both ways it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's fun and it's funny but then that's also like a thing that actually exists that is really dark and scary at the same time mm-hmm. you know you yeah. can even say the same thing about the song about being unemployed because there's people mm-hmm. that are actually unemployed and they're not choosing to be or, you know, like right now with the economy and everything. It's There's like this really like sort of like desperation sort of mm-hmm. like in the music that I also really appreciate. It's just very punk and catchy as hell and just yeah. a lot of fun. And Trevor, if you happen to listen to this, thank you for making it. What did you think, Eric? Oh yeah. I, I loved it. Um, it's super fun. Like you said, um, I think it does. I think, I think that you're right in that it's, it is, there is, it's not all just saccharine, you know, it's not, I think all this is very tongue in cheek, like, like even songs like back home with mommy, which, uh, talks about how great it is to be back home living, with your mom and how they, you know, pay for everything and clean up your room and buy the snacks you like and stuff. Like there's still a, a, a little tag at the end of the chorus, like, you know, that's basically like, even if I'm 23 or whatever. And so like, I, I think that even though this is super fun, obviously there is this element of self-awareness to it. And, um, kind of just like a tongue in cheek kind of satirical element to it all. And I think that's phenomenal because if it were just actually sweet, like it wouldn't have the kind of teeth that it needs to kind of hold you there and, and, and let you enjoy it without uh, being self-conscious about it. If that makes any sense, sometimes if things are too sweet, I just can't get into them. So um, I like there to be a little bit of an edge to it all. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think that like technically the playing on it is like amazing. It's so tight and so well played and so well recorded. Like this is what the drums should sound like. This is what the guitar, the bass, the vocals are amazing. I love the way they sound, especially the background backup vocals or background vocals. And I don't know if Trevor recorded this all or if there were other people involved. I feel like I've seen Trevor and one other person play together, just a duo. And this was a long time ago, but it was at this place called Pizza on Dubuque um, and Lipstick Homicide also played. And yeah. so um, it was awesome. And I, I loved it even then, but for some reason didn't really follow up on it. So I'm glad it came out and I'm glad you picked it and I'm glad Mm -hmm. I got to hear it and I'm going to make my way through the rest of these releases 
and um, have a lot of fun doing it. The name of this record is Washington Called. Um, I also, uh, I've heard quite a bit of his, the other stuff. I think mm -hmm. most of it is just Trevor and an acoustic guitar. And it's okay. just as infectious as this record. Nice. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he's had different lineups. I, I'm not yeah. really sure. What I, what I do know, I'm glad you mentioned the tightness as well. Because that mm -hmm. was another element when I saw them live was just how tight they were as a band. That was, it was like, I was glad that I played before them. I can tell <laughs> yeah, you that because it sure. was so good. It blew me away. Well, uh, so thank you for listening. Yeah. Catch us on Facebook. Catch us on uh, what's the other one? Instagram. Yeah, that's the other one. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah you guys let are all looking know, let us know what you think interact with us because here's the thing i was thinking about this earlier today is if you listen to this show right it, you probably feel like you get to hang out with dan and me for like an hour every week you know and i guess that's fun because you keep listening <laughs> but we don't feel that way unless you no. talk to us i want to hear from you we want to hear from you like uh, the Iron Maiden episode. Did you enjoy that? Did you like one-off episode? Yeah. What'd you guys think of the Iron Maiden episode? Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. So, so yeah. Talk to us. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Send us a message. Um, come to our houses. Yeah. Come on over. We'll we'll jam or watch a shitty horror movie. Whatever you yeah. want to do. And then that, that's a hard decision to make, too. Yeah, uh, we could do both. Are you aware of the streaming service Tubi? Yeah, Tubi TV. Tubi yeah. TV, yeah. Um, they're just, that's just a goldmine of like, oh, yeah, really bad horror movies and just yeah. really bad movies in general. Mm -hmm. Lots of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're, they're usually so bad that they're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only seen a few movies that are so bad they're bad. Like, yeah, me too. Uh, I have seen them though. God damn, I've seen them. Nightmare yeah. Weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't watch it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Probably. Well, I don't know. Everything's everything's garbage unless it's great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I live in a world of hyperbole. There is no. Yeah, it was all right. No, it was either dog shit or amazing. That's yeah. That's you cool. live. You live in that world where yep. it's like. Good That's or bad. No, yep. no, no maybes here. I don't watch maybes. I don't listen to middle <laughs> ground <laughs> records. Like if I start it and it's like, yeah, this is good. Like then I turn it off. You're either giving me gold or you're giving me shit. Yep. One of the That's, two. Yeah. That's all I want. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. That, yep. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Plug in my guitar and play a fucking song and I hate my life. <laughs>